Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, you're joining us online, or you're here in the room, you know I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and really glad you are uh, worshiping with us today. And um, we're about to finish our series in Colossians. Uh, before that, there's something that kind of that kind of hit me recently. Like we've had these kind of two dueling announcements we've made over the last few weeks. One was that you know we're looking forward to our next budget year, really needing an increase in giving. We've kind of run into a bit of a deficit. And I kind of rallied people talking about that. It's been great over the last few weeks. You guys have responded great. And that's gone really well. And then there's this other announcement we've been making that we're moving out of our offices today and moving all the stuff from over there to over here. And it wasn't until I was just kind of sitting there last week that I was like, I wonder if people are hearing that and kind of weaving those two things together. And what we've communicated is desperation. Well, we're running out of money, and can you help us move out of our offices? Right? So... It's really not, it's really not, it's not that bad. We actually, um, we had this great, great plan and all of this was supposed to happen at the same time where we have really have an opportunity for some significantly better space for our youth in our offices and circumstances have just kind of made it where it's, it's not, it's not working out. There's delays that were, I don't, I don't want to say that they're unavoidable. I'm just going to say that they're not on our end. And there's just been some, some delays that have kind of kept this from happening. And so we are temporarily just kind of moving everything back over here. And our hope is that someplace, sometime in the very near future, we'll be able to kind of let, let you guys in and just kind of talk about this next opportunity that we have. Didn't want to kind of just sort of talk about it, which I guess, bro, that's exactly what you're doing now. But I also, at the same time, it was just like, I don't, I mean, I, I don't want to communicate, you know, desperation when it's really it's really not that. So we are excited about this potential opportunity that we have, and we are going to need help today getting some stuff moved over here. Because even here, like, so I'm turning 50 this fall, and my back hurts for no reason right now. And I was like, so, and I, anyway, we need help. I, I need help. Um, anyway, so they said, we, like, so we've been talking about money, and as I was talking about money, I was reminded kind of of the, um, of the sermon series that we did earlier this, um, this winter, and we talked about, talked about money. We, talk, we do a money series every year. And there's this essentially kind of these same four, five, six biblical principles that we just kind of rehearse and kind of package in different ways to talk about to kind of keep them fresh on our mind. And I feel like, to some degree, it's these same principles that we use. And I, I tell you what, I use this illustration where I kind of did my hands like this, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. And I cannot tell you how many people came up to me after that and said, man, I've heard you give that series so many times, but when you did this, it finally made sense to me. And so, and, and what it was, was I was talking about how often with our finances, we're swimming upstream against what God is calling us to do. We, we take all our money, I spend it on everything that I need, everything that I want, and if I have money left over, I'll save it. And if I have money left over from that, then I'll give back to God. And we're swimming upstream against what God is telling us to do. He's actually calling us to do the opposite. I take the first of what I have, I give it to God, and then I save for the future, and then I live on what's left. And if we will go this way with God, He will do something incredible and bless our finances in incredible ways. But too many of us are going this way. And so I did this, and then suddenly everything made sense. And so I'm going to try to catch lightning in a bottle. And I'm going to use that illustration again for you today because I think there's some very, something, something very similar that goes on 
If I were to say to you right now, it is really important that you get right with God. I think immediately what goes into our brain is something that I think that swims upstream against what it is that God is calling us to when it is time for us to get right with Him. When, we, when something's wrong, we need to repair, we need to get a relationship with God. Our brain goes this way, and the first thing we think is, there's some things I've got to do. I got to get right with God. I got to make a list. I got to make a list. I, I got, I, there's some things I got to change. I, I got to do this. I got to stop doing this. I got to... I've got, I've got to start being a better person. I've got, got to start working harder. I've got to start being at church more. I've got, got, got to read the Bible more. I need, I need to be a better person. I need to start giving more money. I need to stop drinking. I need to stop smoking. I need to stop cursing. I need to stop doing all these things. And, if, and, and then, and, and that's the first thing I've got to do to get right with God. And then we, kind of what comes with that is this idea of fake it till you make it. And if I do all these right things, if I start doing, I start checking all these boxes, doing all these good things, not doing all these bad things, and then I, even though my heart is telling me, like, what's the point? And I don't want to do it anymore. But if I fake it until I make it, like something really transformational is going to happen on the inside of me, and then God will accept me. So I, I do these things, and somehow by doing good things, I'm going to become a good person on the inside. Fake it till you make it. And then, and only then, will God accept me. And so I say, if you hear, you feel, man, it's time. I mean, you, there's a problem in your relationship with God. Some, it, some of you need to get right with God. You immediately go to to-do lists. Because the only way that God is going to accept me is if I'm living right. And it's not just living right because I know there's a secret that I have it's really not a secret because we're all in this together. The, but there, there's a secret that I have that it's not only am I not doing the right things, that there's a darkness in my heart. But if I start doing the right things and I, and, and, and I start acting the right way, that somehow that is going to naturally turn into I'm not going to have this darkness in my heart anymore. Now I don't have a dark heart anymore. I'm doing all the right things. God will finally accept me. And there have been people who have been preaching this to the people of Colossians after they came to Christ. There's some people that came to them and said, you've kind of gone about this the wrong way. And they're telling them to go this way. And for the entire book of Colossians, and if you haven't been with us very often, we'll kind of do a review of the whole book today. What Paul has been saying is like, this does not work. This is not how it works. This will never get you to the place to where you have the kind of heart that, that God wants us to have. You'll never be able to live the life that God has called you to live if you're trying to go this way. And so he starts at a completely different place. Before he starts talking about what you need to do, who you need to be, what your life needs to look like, he goes and gives this beautiful, essentially kind of like a, a, a poem, a song, about the majesty and awesomeness and greatness of Jesus. And so if we're going to live life this way, the way that Paul is now telling the Colossians to do, where we're swimming, we're swimming downstream with God, it starts with this, to be captivated by Jesus and his gospel. And so he tells us who Jesus is. He's the God of the universe. He created the universe. He sustains the universe just, with his, just, just by his presence. He's that big. He's that awesome. And it is that Jesus who looked at you just where you are, a sinner, broken, not someone who just doesn't do the right things, but has a heart that is problematic. And he looks at that and says, 
I want to, I want to give my life for them. He, he sacrifices his life so that broken, sinful people like us can be restored to a relationship with Jesus. And the more I learn about him, the more I learn about what he has done for me, what he is doing for me, I become a little bit overwhelmed. I become enamored. He's greater and bigger and more loving and more gracious than I ever realized. And this gospel where he dies on the cross to pay the penalty, this innate sense that I have that the brokenness in me has separated me from God, that is causing me all these problems, this brokenness, he sacrificed himself to pay for that so that we can be restored into relationship with God. And he did this freely. Not based on anything that we've done. We didn't have to get right with him first. It just starts with a powerful God who loves us so much that he sacrifices life so that we might have life. That's who Jesus is. And, and, and that's where it starts. And I think, I, I, I think we just lose track of this. We lose track that, that life really centers first and foremost around God and his son Jesus. That, that, that's where it centers because we start thinking about, you know, my life. It's like, well, of course, my life is primarily about me. It's kind of implied in the, in the pronoun. It's, it's, it's my life. When really life is about the creator who gave us life. This is why we worship. This is why we come together and we worship. It's an acknowledgement that there is something greater and more important in this world than me and you. And we worship and acknowledge him. And that my life needs to be primarily about loving and following him. And, I, and I'll confess that I, I get this way. I get this way like I get out my thinking, like, hey, it's about to be Sunday, and what do we want? You know, things are thinking about, we're going to talk about this Sunday, next Sunday. Like, I look and I think, man, I just, I want you guys to be living life. I want you guys to be experiencing the best life. How can you be better parents, be better, be, be better uh, spouses? How can you be better at work? How can you, you know, just have more peace? And I think, man, I want, I want your guys' life. And I'm like, and I have to stop myself. This isn't about, about self-help. This isn't about fixing our lives. This is first and foremost, if we want to live life, it first and foremost has to be completely and totally grounded in the person and the work of Jesus. And this is where Paul starts. Again, way before he starts talking about anything that we're supposed to do, anything that's wrong or broken in you, he starts with, the person, the power, and the gospel of Jesus. And so then, it starts with him. And now I have been, before I have done anything, I've been accepted into relationship with God. And then as we continue on in Colossians, what Paul says to them next is, what happens is, is that God is going to do this work inside you. And so we'll say it this way, that what needs to happen is, we allow the Holy Spirit, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside. Because the reality of it is this. There is a darkness in your heart. There is a darkness in my heart. Greed, envy, anger, impatience. I mean, there's just all of this darkness. And we, and we, and we, and we know it. We, we know that it's true. We know that it's true. And that's why fake it till you make it just doesn't work. There's not enough good deeds that you can do to really overcome the, the darkness that is in there. 
the, the, the lust, the, the anger, all of that. But here's what he offers. He doesn't offer fake it till you make it. He doesn't say, okay, well, I'm going to come in there now. You guys go do better. It's like, I tried to do better. Do better doesn't work, and you don't understand what's going on in here. But what he promises is that God, the Spirit will come inside you and transform you. God is going to do a work. He can replace anger with patience and love, and he can replace, uh, he can replace lust, and he puts these things to death, and he, he, can, he can kill that. If we will allow him, and that's in, I'm choosing that word specifically, if we'll allow him to do the work, it is work that he's going to do. If we could change our heart, we would have done it by now. This is a work that God says he can do and work that God says he will do. But again, there's a word here, allow. It's not, that's not nothing. Because I think sometimes we think, okay, well, it's like I got to, I got to, it's, it's either completely and totally up to me or I don't do anything. But really, ultimately, God wants to do this work, but we have to allow him to. What, is, what, is it, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. Compel? God could compel us. That is obviously for the creator God of the universe who spoke the universe into existence just by speaking words. Could obviously has make you do it as a tool in his belt at any time. But he has chosen to not use that. And so his presence is inside you, wanting to transform you. Will you allow him? Will you do? Will you give him access? You know, I said something already that you don't like, right? When I said, your heart is dark. We don't want to believe that, right? I mean, you're like, bro, you need, to, you, need to, you need to dial that back a little bit, saying that my heart is full of anger and lust and envy and greed. I need you to dial that back a little bit. I need you to go back to good, old-fashioned Christian speak. Now, you know what? Sometimes I struggle with lust. Sometimes I, str- I, mean, I, struggle, I struggle with patience. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm battling. I'm, I'm working on it. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes, I, sometimes I still struggle. Bro, can we just be honest? Yeah, I mean, the camera's on, so I don't know. Can we? I'm not, I'm not struggling with anger, right? I'm just, I'm just angry. I'm not struggling with jealousy. It's, I mean, it's struggling. I mean, it's, it's choking me out. It's, it's winning. We're not, there's no struggle. I'm just kind of watching it happen going, oh, okay, too bad. We use this word struggle to minimize something. But if we're going to allow God to do the work, we're going to allow him to have access to places in our heart that we're still a little too ashamed to admit about in our own to ourselves. Oh God, don't don't go in there. Every, everything everything everything's fine in there. It's it's fine. Don't go. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And you think that if you tell yourself enough that it's fine, you can convince God that it's fine. He's like, I actually kind of want to. I kind of want to clean that space too. And it's those spaces that we need to most allow God access to. And then ultimately, we've got to give God a stronger voice in our lives. And I was talking about this with a guy this week. It seems like I'm talking about this all the time with people. God's voice is there, but it's a lot softer than we want it to be. It's not a compelling voice. It is a whispering voice. I want want to make you better. But we've got lots of very loud voices in us. And I think one of the things that has happened that is kind of making us swim this way 
is that anytime you, anytime you sin, anytime you fall short, there's a voice that says, you are terrible. What kind of idiot are you? You go to church on Sunday, then you act like this on Monday? What is wrong with you? You're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to discipline your kids, and then you talk like that to your spouse? You are the biggest hypocrite, idiot, loser in the world. What is even the point of you? Now, your voice may not be that strong, um, but I know for a lot of us it is. There is a voice that is telling you that you're just never going to be good enough and that you should be ashamed of who you are and what you are. And let me tell you, that is not the voice of God. There is a gentler, more gracious voice behind that going, you know that that wasn't what you needed to do. And it caused all the problems that I told you that it would. But if you'll, help, if you'll allow me, I, I can help you do better. But that voice, it's too soft. And we've got to learn to kill that other one so that God can hear it. Because God's voice, it, it has conviction, but not shame. And until we figure that out, God's voice is not going to be as loud as it needs to be. And so we make God's voices louder by hearing it better, by putting these other voices down, by hearing his word, by praying, by learning to discern what his voice is. And then ultimately then, you need to get out of the way and let God do what he's going to do. Now there's an illustration I use, if you've ever been to Connections, where I talk about kind of that we want our church to be uplifting we want it to be uplifting when we walk out of here. We don't, I want you to walk out of here. It's like, how was church today? It's like, oh, man, it was terrible. It was awful. It made me feel bad about myself, that I was not good enough, and I was awful. But I guess that's good because that's what church does, that you walk out of here feeling worse about yourself, right? And part of you's thinking, bro, that's, isn't that what you're doing right now with all that uh, darkness in the heart thing? I promise it's going to get better. It's fine. It'll be fine. Just, just, just be patient. And so I use as an illustra- I've used as an illustration that it's a little bit like going to the dentist, where how was it at the dentist? And it's like you know, your mouth is bloody and sore and they're digging around in there and scraping. You know, it was, it was bad, but I guess it's good because that's what the dentist is. And then you have people in connections that, that, that work for dentist offices and then you get rebuked for being so negative about dentistry, right? So I'm going to try to use dentistry in a better, better illustration right now to make up for years of maligning it in connections, right? So... I don't know about you, I'm, 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 not, I'm not great at whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing in here. And it was like every six months I'm getting rebuked by the hygienist because no matter how hard I try, I can't seem to really get behind the bottom, behind my bottom teeth. And it used to be like, man, you're doing okay today. Except, I mean, yeah, obviously you're going to need to work on that. And finally after years, my hygienist has given up very kindly and graciously. She just knows that she's going to have a lot of work to do because I'm there today back here. But here's the thing that happens, and I'm not trying to do it, right? But there's this thing, she's, she's in there, she's working. He's like, can you open your mouth a little bit more? Can you open your mouth a little more? What's your tongue doing? Can you, can you move your tongue? What, stop, stop, stop fighting. Like, like my tongue is like wrestling in there, like trying to push it out, which I think is a very natural reaction to, you know, pokey stuff. And now I was thinking the, the, the hygienist people are still going to rebuke me because this is turning out to be more negative than I mean for it to be. Um, anyway, so I'm fighting. Like, I, like, I'm, like, I'm not turning the right way. I'm closing my mouth. My tongue is trying to push these things out of the way. Like, he, all she's trying to do is to bring a little health and cleanness to the inside of my mouth. And if I will just relax and let her do it, it will happen. 
She's doing the work. I have to allow it to happen. And there's a lot of us that are fighting God, that are pushing back, that are not allowing him the space to really get into the places of our heart, to really get into our life and allowing him to do the work. So I don't want you to hear me say that there's nothing for you to do. It is, in fact, I think, significantly harder to relax and allow God to do his work because this just feels so normal, so natural, that just allowing God to do the thing he said he would do becomes difficult. And then ultimately then, then and only then, you do what God has called you to do. Now I have a different heart and a different attitude. I recognize that my position with God is secure and is based solely on His grace and His love. And I don't have to fear. I don't have to walk around with fear that somehow an angry God is going to hurt me in some way, that God is somehow out to get me, that I'll never be good enough for this God, that God accepted me at my worst when I clearly was not good enough. So I walk around without this fear And now I am walking around with a heart that God is making new. And so now I've got more confidence and I've got more tools. I've got the heart now. And now I can be the husband, the pastor, the friend, the dad that God has called me to be. And you can be who God has called you to be in your life. And finally, these habits that you have been wanting to kill and crush, God is giving you the resources to overcome them. Now I can do. It's not It's not. It's not what I've got to make myself do. It is what can naturally happen when I trust in God and he, he, he does this work inside me. Now I can be and do what God has called me to do. And as he wraps it up in the end of, at the end of the book, here in Colossians chapter 4, he leaves us with one more thought. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Essentially what Paul is calling us to do here, it's like, okay, I understand who God is. I'm captivated by Jesus and his gospel. He's transforming me on the inside. Now I can live and be who God has called me to be. And now ultimately he's leaving us with this. Now will you take that and pass it on? Will you take that and pass it on? Will you give that away? This gospel that has transformed you, this life that God has given you, he has given it to you and again, it works really well with a downstream metaphor. Will you take what he has given you and pass it on to, to other people? Can you look at the people desperately swimming upstream and look at them and be like, bro, there's, it's actually so much better this way with God. Can you do that? Will you live a life that says, I want to take the things that God has given me and give them away? And so he starts here at the very beginning by talking about prayer. Hey, I just want you to be people who pray. And really, one of the main things I would love for you to pray for is I wish you would pray for me. Pray for me and our ministry. We're going out all over the world and, and, and sharing the gospel with people. Will you, will you pray that God will give us opportunity, that he will open the door for our message? 
that, that we can proclaim this mystery. He's in jail, he's, he's saying this, like that, that we can proclaim it clearly. Man, she's, can, can the, the people that are already out there pray for them, pray for me that, that as, as, as I'm even working here in prison, that I don't have opportunities. Will you please pray? And we all have that opportunity. We all know someone who has a, at least a weekly opportunity to share the gospel with people. If you're not sure who I'm talking about, at this point, I'm talking about me. Like, you have at least that opportunity. I've had this opportunity today, kind of laying out this, 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 the gospel. Like, let's pray for that. Let's pray for this service. Let's pray for our Grove Kids people. Let's pray for Matt and his team at Roots who have the opportunity multiple times a week to interact with people who need to hear about who Jesus is and understand this gospel in a more deep, personal way. This is what Paul's saying. Like, well, just pray for me. And we have great opportunities there in the back. I don't know if you know this. There's cards there, little prayer cards for every missionary that the church supports who are doing great things here in the U.S. and all around the world. And they have incredible opportunities. And it is our responsibility as their friends and family to be praying for them, that God will continue to open doors for them, that their message can be given out clearly. We've got some, some students, some college students from our church and some people who adults and work with this ministry that are down in a summer project right now with a lot of non-Christians that are down there that are part of this project and opportunities to reach out to the community down in Florida. And they've got a great opportunity. We should be praying for them. Heidi and I have the opportunity to go down there in a week and a half and spend some time with these several hundred college students and to kind of love on them and share with them. Let's, let's be praying for that, that God is going to make this happen. That, that God is going to use this to allow the gospel to be spread. But it's not just praying for us and missionaries. The next thing he says is that be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And I would say this, like the next thing that you need to do, you need to pray, but you also need to take advantage of the opportunities that God's given you. And I say that intentionally because... I'm not asking you to create opportunities. And I'm not saying that, well, if you have an opportunity, you will have an opportunity. If there has ever been a season in life when you have an opportunity to talk to people about the deep heart issues of life, about fear, about exhaustion, about control, about disappointment in life, about uncertainty, fear of re-engaging, a, a fear, like there's, there's so much fear and uncertainty and anxiety in the world. You will have an opportunity this week to interact with people about it. Will you take advantage of it? Will you see these as opportunities to inject into this situation the hope and life that Jesus has offered you? And I think it's not for so many of us that we don't have opportunity, but that we don't take advantage of them. To just throw a little bit of the encouragement that God has given you to people. To take a moment to say, man, I understand all of that, but let me tell you what, what I've been learning at church, what God's been showing me, how he's been kind of helping me process through this over the last six months, over the last 12 months. And to give God a, a place in this conversation. And then he says it this way. This is, this is my favorite part of it. 
as he's describing how we take these opportunities. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. So in the way that we interact with people who don't know Christ, who are still looking for opportunity, who, do, who don't know, who are outside of a relationship with God, he says, let, 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 let be gracious. Be gracious in the way that you're talking. He says, seasoned with salt, which is a really unfortunate metaphor now as language has evolved over the last couple of thousand years. Because if I were to say to you, man, and when you're talking to people, be salty. Um, the world's got plenty of salty, right? Salty and what it means now is, you know, just, you know, you're just adding a little bit of spice to it, which has, you're just angry, a little bit bitter. That, the world's got plenty of salty. It does not have enough seasoned with salt. Which for them, what Paul's describing is the thing that they used to preserve things. So it, it kept meat from spoiling. So we need to be seasoning our conversation so that I, I, I don't want you to spoil. I don't want the relationship to spoil. I don't want your heart to spoil. And so I am going to speak in a way that preserves life rather than brings more decay. And again, if there is a message that this world desperately needs to hear, it's that we need a lot more seasoned with salt and a lot less salty. We have lost our ability to engage in conversation with people who have a different perspective without just bringing a lot of anger and fear and divisiveness to it. So then we don't take advantage of opportunities because we only have deep, real conversations with people who are on a pre-approved list that I know already 100% agree with me. And then if I accidentally get in a conversation with you, then it's not going to be seasoned with salt. It's going to be salty. But what if no matter what anger and fear or frustration or anxiety that the world throws out, you come back with, but you know what? The hope of God is strong in my life. Whoa, what do you mean? I've heard these preachers and they say this and this and this. And rah, 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 rah. Yeah, I understand why that would be frustrating. There's a lot of Christian leaders out there that have disappointed me too. But you know who's never disappointed me? The God of the universe never has. I would encourage you to do what I do, which is look past the worst examples and look, just look into what Jesus said. Look into who Jesus was. Just, just seasoned with salt, full of grace. I think that would be a very compelling message. That if you could say it with grace and compassion, seasoned to tell a hopeless, broken world that the God of the universe sees them in their brokenness, sees them in their hurt, and loves them unconditionally and sent their son, his son, to die for them so that then he would do this work inside you to transform you so that you could live the life you were meant to live. That is a message the world needs. If we'll just simply take it, believe it ourselves, allow God to do that work and simply pass it on. Let me pray.